you. Thank you very much for having me. Um, just, uh, we've got a video in just a minute about a TIA project, but TIA, one of TIA's distinctives is that we are on about empowering people. So rather than doing it for people, we do it with people, and they get up out of poverty themselves. And when they've got that uh, empowerment, they can do anything. Uh, they've got that spirit. And so um, although you guys have committed to working in South Sudan through TIA, um, and we do have a, a video in the pipeline for that, uh, but today I just thought I'd concentrate on some Indigenous projects that we are engaged in up in, uh, up in Arnhem Land and, and in the Kimberley. So check this out and then I'll uh, speak to it at the end. Chronic disease, chronic disease problem.
how you can sorry how you can support uh, Andrew Hunter is our tier ambassador here, and uh, he's going to be spruiking tier and uh, calling people to. Uh, well, I'm not sure exactly what he's going to do, but if you're if you're keen to get involved in in tier and uh, our five responses, uh, they are to pray regularly, to give regularly, to uh, advocate for people who are in need, to uh, live simply so that others may simply live, and to pray. And uh, we have resources and things here for you to do that. One last thing, one of my mates, Greg, he said to me, Steve, TIR is a good way to evangelise your friends and neighbours because that's good news. Like, and it's obvious that it's good news for the poor. So uh, he had a street party and he... Uh, had a movie night, and he got, as admission price, he got people to uh, give something from the useful, take something from the useful gift catalogue, and um, they, well, they were into it. So it's a good mechanism, I think, for uh, reaching out. Thank you. We're going to have our Bible reading, Luke 18. You know it. So. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Soft hearts transform hard places. The rich in the kingdom of God. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother. All these have I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard him asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up to him and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to the, be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Adam, Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, thanks again for having me. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity. So in, uh, 
in Tia, we um, work in hard places. And um, one of the things is that as you read in the Bible, there's not many references about hard places. But there is a lot of references about hard hearts. So I looked at these two stories, which are almost next to each other in Luke 18 and Luke 19, about two rich men. And one man had a hard heart and rejected Jesus and his call, and the other one responded. So what's the difference? Because, in a sense, we are globally, we are rich. We are the, in that position. Uh, if, you're in, if you have uh, an income of more than $50,000, I believe you're in the top 1% of the world's richest people. So if you want to check that, go to globalrichlist.com and check in, put punch in your annual income and see where you are in terms of the world's wealth. But we're at least in the top 5%. Um, so that has implications. So what does that say? Um, here we have, in terms of the rich young ruler, we have this guy who says, good teacher. Now, I think he's coming from an understanding of a merit-based understanding of, of, of life rather than a grace-based understanding of, of the gospel. Uh, that rich man thought that if you worked hard enough and achieved hard, um, enough, you would be rich enough and God would bless you. Uh, whereas those who are poor, um, God is not with them. God has abandoned them and they deserve it. So he comes with that sort of um, framework and right from the get-go, Jesus challenges him and says, um, why do you call me good? Only God is good. You, in other words, you can't achieve this uh, stuff. You need to fall on God's grace. Um, so, and then he begins to list the commandments. Now, he lists the second five commandments. Uh, the first five are about getting right between you and God, and the second are about getting right with each other, uh, the horizontal uh, axis of the cross. Um, but he leaves out, you shall not covet. Uh, and it's like he's setting this guy up for a, It's like in volleyball. He's setting this guy up for a spike. And uh, this guy says, all, I've kept, all of these commandments I've kept since I was a child. Really? You've done all of that? Jesus says, one thing you lack. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and come follow me. There's the spike. Boom. When he heard this, he became very sad. He would... Why would he become sad? Because he knew he couldn't fulfil the law. This high jump bar was just too high for him. He couldn't achieve more, earn more. He had to just give up and, be, and fall on God's grace um, and let go of his wealth and let go of everything and begin to follow Jesus. It was too much for him. Uh, Richard Raw talks about the spirituality of subtraction. His merit-based understanding of life, he couldn't swap it for a, a grace-based understanding of life. He had a hard heart to, to Jesus and to the poor. In Matthew's Gospel, it's interesting that the word he is used uh, when he says go, sell everything you have. The word go is the same word that he uses for, uh, says to the lame, get up, be free, uh, re-released from your sin, right? It's like greed is a disease that you need to be released from. 
And so he goes away, and as he goes away, he says to his disciples about this guy how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of, of God. It's, that must have stung if, if, you know, it was quite a stinging comment. Uh, juxtapose, what's the verb for the <laughs> As a juxtapose, uh, let's look at Zacchaeus. That's not right, is it? Um, let's look at Zacchaeus. Uh, Jericho, by the way, is a major trade and business and taxation centre. It used to be, it's the same um, Jericho that was uh, Joshua fought the battle of and the walls came tumbling down. Well, Herod rebuilt it and everyone revered Herod the king there. Um, and you can see this because, and it's a dangerous centre, it's a dangerous city because you, if you did a bit of, uh, go back and do a bit of work about the, on the road to Jericho, you see the blind man and he calls out, Son of David, have mercy upon me. Well, Son of David is a royal title and everyone says, be quiet, shut up. This, because there's only one king here, you don't say that there's any other king because you're going to get killed. So, you know, be quiet. So it's a dangerous city. And Zach, I call him Zach, would have outbid others to get the contract from the Romans uh, to be the chief tax collector there and fleeced his own people, you know, Jewish people, up to over 200%, up to 200% on top of what he was asked to get. So he would have been responsible for peasants having to sell their land, sell their uh, houses, uh, put their kids into child slavery, maybe into prostitution. It was a, a dangerous and hard place, Jericho. And when Jesus asked Zach to host him for lunch, most people thought that Jesus was a benefactor of that system. And so not just the Pharisees were shocked, but everyone, it says, was shocked uh, that Jesus uh, did that. But Jesus doesn't seem to worry about his reputation. Uh, and interestingly enough, uh, when you look at Pharisees, they were worried about touching the lepers or the socially outcast in case they got unclean. But with Jesus, it always worked the other way around. When he touched a leper, the leper became clean. He didn't become unclean. So he invites him down for, for lunch. But Zacchaeus is both up a, he's hiding, but he's longing to be found. He's up a sycamore fig tree, and he's hiding, and he's wanting to be found. I believe that. And I think many of us are hiding, but we're wanting to be found. And a lot of us hide behind our smokes or our jokes or our uh, houses or our cars or whatever it might be. But Jesus invites him down for lunch. And I, I'm reminded of that verse in Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and dine with him and have a meal with him. And I believe that, that a lot of us hold that door locked and bolted because we're afraid of intimacy. We are afraid of connecting with, with God's grace. And, but perfect love can drive out all fear. And Jesus is that. So in the midst of the meal, uh, the whole the penny drops from his head to his heart and he experiences this grace and receives this grace of Jesus. And he repents and he says, look, every, uh, half of everything I've I have, I'll give to the poor, and if I've robbed every, anyone of anything, I'll pay him back four times as much. So his repentance led to action. 
It wasn't just, I'm sorry. It was a commitment to, uh, in front of everyone, a public commitment that he would do that. And so Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. Salvation is linked uh, with how he responds to the poor. It's a direct consequence. And then he says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So let's look at, compare and contrast the, the, last, the two stories. First story, the rich man had a hard heart, whereas Zacchaeus had a soft heart and repented. And in uh, Luke 18, it also mentions the parable of the, of the Pharisee and the tax collector that said, uh, the Pharisee uh, said, I thank you, God, that I'm not like this, a tax collector. Uh, but his prayers just bounced off the ceiling, whereas the tax collector didn't look up to heaven but beat his breast and said, Father, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And there's something about that humility. There's something about the softness of your heart that God is moved by. I believe that. Um, it's that verse about a contrite heart in the, in, in, the, in the Psalms. I believe God's heart's moved. That if we walk humbly with God, that should lead us to uh, mercy, to loving mercy. That should lead us to doing justice and standing up uh, for the oppressed uh, on behalf of the oppressed uh, and marginalised. It should lead us to that. Sometimes, for some reason, I don't understand, but it tends to be blocked. I don't know. I, I don't know how you can experience God's grace and not give and not serve and not go to the least and last and lost. And maybe that's our issue. Maybe we haven't totally accepted God's grace for ourselves. Or maybe we just have a hard heart. In the, looking at those two stories, there's, there's a connection in both between the rich and the poor. Like Jesus has to, in the first story, put the poor in front of the rich man's face and says, uh, go, sell everything you have and give to the poor. Whereas in the second story, Zacchaeus just overwhelmingly responds out of grace and love. And I believe that our liberation and salvation is tied up with the liberation and salvation of the poor. And I was taught that when I was a youth worker in uh, Balga Kandula in Girawin, and I said, uh, I was working with mainly indigenous kids, uh, and I said to one of the elders, I said, look, I'm a Wadjala, I'm a white fella, uh, and in some sense I have no business being here, but I'm paid to work with your people. What do you want me to do? And he said to me, if you're here to help us, go along. But if you're here to find your own liberation and your own, you know, while you work for our liberation, then you're welcome. And I think that's, um, that's very profound, and I think it's a tear distinctive that we tend to not just be a charity where you give money to the poor and that's really good, but the problem there is the poor are still marginalised and you are still in the middle. Uh, in terms of justice, uh, we, the poor, and i.e. Jesus, need to be in the centre and we uh, need everything we do needs to be for and with Jesus, for the poor and the marginalised. And I think that's a radical shift that uh, not a lot of churches understand and, and grasp. Because, one last thing on that, Jesus says, blessed are the, are the poor for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the, the poor become the new centre. 
In the first story, yeah, I've said that, sorry. Um, can you imagine what Jericho might have looked like five to ten years after uh, Zacchaeus has started to follow Jesus? I, I reckon if he was able to gain another co contract and he was to follow Jesus, there would be little to no slavery. <coughs> there would be little to no prost uh, prostitution. It would be a far more equitable, just, healthy, happy city and maybe Zach could have some friends. Um, Jesus had a, uh, had a soft heart and it transformed Zach's heart. And Zach's soft heart transformed, it, it's possible, it could have transformed Jericho. We, we're not to know. But your heart, your soft heart and support for Tia can transform many hard places that we work, Sudan, Somalia, Afghanistan, uh, the Northern Territory. I'll give you a couple of examples and then we'll uh, uh, bring it back to Perth. Um, in Afghanistan, uh, one of the IAM is a little project uh, that particularly works with eye care but uh, does a number of other things. Uh, and this is a sort of by-the-by story. There was a, a grenade uh, that hit uh, a place near the offices of IAM that we support. And, um, and uh, the, there was carnage everywhere. And uh, there was a, all the people came out of IAM and went to go and do um, uh, triage and pull out people from the rubble and help them. Uh, and... Uh, there was an uh, imam on the top of a hill uh, looking over this scene and he saw all the Muslims running away from the chaos and all the Christians running towards the situation. And he thought, something's, something's, I've got to check out this, this Jesus. And so he spoke to the IAM staff and he became a Christian as a result. And they put him on as staff eventually and he did some work in the north uh, of um, Afghanistan, setting up self-help groups uh, and microfinance. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that story has many um, layers, but soft hearts can transform hard places. In Somalia, there was a man called Muhammad, and he was uh, one of our partners called Medair was there, and we work with them to, one of the things that they do is maternal health. And uh, Muhammad was worried, as was his village, that Christians were coming into uh, his, um, were taking over, and that they wanted to reach out to his village. And so he went, uh, he sussed it out, and he went to another village in where uh, Medair worked, and uh, he sat outside and listened to a maternal health group. Uh, and they, all they were doing is trying to help people to understand how to have a baby safely. Well, he went back to his village and said, they're actually okay, these Christians. They're actually teaching us good things. And, um, and one day his wife was having a baby and the baby was breached. So he sat outside his home and yelled instructions into the women inside and uh, his baby was saved as a result. And so he became the, an evangelist for uh, Medev, for the work of... Uh, tears supporting work. And, uh, and so yeah, Medea came and did established maternity um, uh, groups in his village. 
So what of us in Australia? In many places, in many ways, Australia is a hard place. Uh, I think it was uh, Kierkegaard that said, the hardest cross to carry is a gold one. <laughs> so how can we, um, not only uh, for ourselves, fall on the grace of Jesus and be open to it? By the way, I have a friend called Steve, and he was my mentor for a while, lives in Melbourne, really wise kind of guy. He said to me, Steve, um, God is always trying to make a pass at us. He's always trying to help us understand his grace, but we can't see it, and we, we look for it in a particular way, and unless we understand it, we tend to block it off. He said, I'll give you an example. He said, my wife, had a bit of, we, we had a bit of a fight, and uh, she was in the wrong, Steve. She was <laughs> and he said, I was waiting for her to say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And it never came, Steve. It never came. He said, but what she did say is, how can we move forward from this? How can we make this right? And he said, if I was stubborn and hard-hearted, I wouldn't have heard that. I would have said, you haven't said sorry, so I'm going to hold that against you. He said, so I need to be open to the Spirit of God moving anywhere and everywhere and uh, looking for opportunities to, be, to receive that love and grace. And I think he's right. We tend to just block things and we tend to not uh, receive God's love either through other people or through his Spirit. And when we do receive that grace and love and we are open to it, uh, he works in our lives and it changes things. Uh, so I and a bunch of my friends, we moved into Lockridge because it was a very hard place. It was, uh, yeah, it's just a, it was a state housing sort of um, suburb. Anyway, we moved in and a bunch of us made a commitment to working with friends and family and neighbours and particularly the least and the last and the lost. And the Anglican church... Was, it was a fascinating thing, these, uh, particularly these uh, elderly women who were the elders there. After a few years, they began to talk amongst themselves and they said, Steve, this place has changed in the last three or four years. All around us we're seeing changes. And Wendy and I were talking and we reckon the reason is because of you. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't think it's just me. I think it's our community has really made some inroads into um, loving the, these people who have um, yeah, been, been some of the causes of problems in, in our community. And uh, one, one example of that is um, I had a friend called Dave, and Dave was a recovering alcoholic. We got him in from St Bart's, actually, and uh, we housed him and we pastorally cared for him and we loved him and he became a Christian, but he still had issues. One night when Dave was tipsy, he, um, he said, I'm really hoping I haven't told this story here before, but anyway, um, one night when Dave was tipsy, I said, Dave, what do you want to do with your life? He said, I really want to be a carer. I said, um, well, Robbie needs caring. And Robbie was in, uh, he had a mental illness and he used to cut himself up. And they didn't know what to do with Robbie because they'd burnt, he's burnt all his carers, like really hurt hurt them. And, um, and so I said, oh, that's right, Dave had a, one of the problems with Dave was that he had a charge against his name that was uh, less than 10 years old. 
and so they, he wouldn't, they wouldn't let him be a carer. But because they were so desperate, they allowed Dave to be a carer to Robbie and give it a go. Well, that's been going on for years. And uh, I think it was last year, we sat around at a bloke's group one Friday night and Robbie says to Dave, Dave, if it wasn't for you, I'd probably be dead. You've saved my life, Dave. Um, I'd probably, or I'd pr probably be in locked ward in Greylands and, um, and probably would have topped myself. And Dave says to Robbie, well, Robbie, you've saved my life. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't, be, uh, I wouldn't have a reason to live. I wouldn't have found God and I, wouldn't have, uh, I would have, wouldn't have gone off drinking. I would have just been stuck in my room. And so Robbie came up to Dave and gives Dave a great big hug and a kiss on the forehead. And he says to us all, you guys have saved my life. You know, without your support, I don't know where I'd be. And he gives us all a great big hug and a kiss on the forehead. There's something beautiful that when you know you're broken and you know other people are broken, uh, there's God happens in the mix. And I don't know how to... I don't know how to put that into words. I just know that it's true. And when I grew up, I grew up in a fairly conservative Baptist church and I was taught that I was the, the, the leaven and other people were the dough. And my job was to make them more like me, like Christian. But as I read the Bible now, I realise why would I want more leaven when I'm actually trying to create bread? When I go into my community and minister to the poor, Something changes, something hot and dynamic happens and they change and I change and the kingdom of God happens. And I do believe that we need to uh, have soft hearts to go into via tear and via, um, I forgot the name of your program, working with the, the broken here in uh, Canning Vale. So let me just pray. Um, and if you can remember those five responses, to live simply so that others may simply live, to give regularly, to advocate, to pray, and to grow in our relationship with God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, I just ask that you would come into our lives and make us clean, come into our lives and soften our hearts. Help us to accept your grace and your love for ourselves, to marinate in it. And then may the, with the overflow of that grace, help, us, help it to flow. And water tends to flow downwards to, and to those who are most in need. Help us to do that and to love mercy. And as we sit and listen and weep with those that weep and mourn with those that mourn. May that change us in the process. And may we empower other people to, to justice and may we stand up for these people. And if it takes one heart at a time, one life at a time, then we're prepared for that. If it takes uh, years for us to see some wins, help us to do that because you haven't given up on us. That's how you love us. You continually knock at that door. So help us to do the same. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Steve, for sharing with us this morning. The South Sudan project. Steve mentioned uh, are a new partnership that we have just established.
And next Sunday, uh, we're going to have, a, as Steve mentioned, a little clip and a little bit more of an update about that. Andrew um, is uh, helping to be our ambassador and rep with TIA. Um, so we want to mention that. Uh, we want to talk a little bit more about that next Sunday. And if you would like to give towards it um, before the end of the financial year, of course, next Sunday is the last chance to do that so that we've got a, a few days to then pass those funds on. So we'll have uh, facilities available for you to give towards it if, if you... Uh, would like to, um, but let's be uh, thinking and praying this week as to how God uh, might want to use us in some of these ways. We'll put those um, those five responses that Tia has, which we really want to embrace as a church, no matter whether it's Tia or you know or uh, Compassion or however we're contributing uh, in the wider world and the local community. Uh, so music team, do you want to come up and, uh, and lead us uh, in song? We're just going to close out this morning um, in song. And, uh, and, and this, this song is, is a great one for us to be singing this morning as to how uh, Jesus...